I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. I'm being joined today by Adin Arden. How are you, my man? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Not too shabby. Sipping on a glass of wine and ready to kick some ass with an amazing episode here. It is November 24th, and we've got a great show for you. So in The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about an article found, or actually it's an essay found in The Devil's Notebook, uh, the Church of Satan, Cosmic Joy Buzzer. I really, really dig this, and, and I have a few things that I want to touch on that I think still hold true to today. And an infernal informant, man accused of decapitating his son, confident to stand trial. So I don't know if you guys remember, this is an article, and I'll go into more detail here in a little bit, but I originally talked about this, I think it was like a year and a half ago. And uh, Robert J. Luthold, I believe I'm saying your name right, sorry if I'm not, he's been amazing and kept me up to date on this trial and the outcome. Uh, and so we've got a little bit of motion, so we're going to be talking about that. And the other article is another couple found guilty, another couple, I'd like to emphasize, found guilty of murder for parenting by to train up a child. It's a Christian uh, discipline book. And, of course, we have Dean here, so we're going to do another episode of Militant Eroticism. This is episode six. Don't be a misogynist. Share your wife. Or the fairer gender is a sharing gender. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so before we uh, dive in, how was your week, man? Or My actually, since we've talked, been... your month. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I turned 25. I'm old now happy happy birthday man i didn't know I don't sing like you did to um aaron <laughs> oh, hold on i got it oh, can, can you hold on for just one second yeah sure happy birthday to you happy <laughs> birthday to you happy birthday dear Dean. Aden, Aden, Arden, Aden, again <laughs> happy birthday to you god damn it it was bad enough the first time. <laughs> uh, I uh, no, it was it was great. I threw a big party because I remodeled my apartment and. My invitation must have been lost in the mail then. Cause... Were you really gonna fly out here for a big makeout party? Because that's exactly what it turned into around three thirty in the morning. Oh. <laughs> Seri seriously, one of one of the guys I'm dating started making out with two women. Women were making out with each other. I was making out with a guy. I think I'm pretty sure I made out with a girl. Whoa! Uh, I do that when I'm drunk. Damn! <laughs> I make I out with women because I think I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something. It, yeah, do, you, do you think there's a difference between kissing a guy and a girl, or or is it just 
it's just lips and tongue and no it's like, different they are they're all bad kissers. yeah <laughs> they're it's so soft and i feel like i'm kissing gelatin <laughs> and i'm like oh it's where's the facial hair where's the scruff why aren't i getting a rash on my face this is weird <laughs> So I can't do it for too long before I'm just kind of like, all right, all right. feels like I'm kissing my mother. This is just gross. Get off me. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Freud would have I'm actually getting negative into my boner here. <laughs> I don't know what's crawling inside <laughs> my body. That's oh, funny. maybe you're getting sick again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice callback to an earlier episode. Oh, I loved when you were talking about that. I'm like, wow, Adam has a shape-shifting penis. I don't know if I'm jealous or not. It's true. And I did have people comment, like, send me messages. They're like, you talked about your dick for 10 minutes, and I loved every minute of it. Wow, now if they can only say that about every inch. <laughs> oh, I'll have to wait till I'm uh, mucho healthy so it's impressive. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. Well, that's cool. So you had a big party. Um, and then I, I heard, I mean, you uh, you decided to uh, do something that you'd been thinking about, right? Yeah. COS. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I finally joined. Congratulations. Finally. Oh, thank you. All I, yeah, I had that the thing filled out for a very, very long time. <laughs> I just, I'm terrible at mailing stuff. So... And like, that's oh, not okay. it, though. I mean, you, I mean, you've been literally steeped in the culture of the Church of Satan for a very, very long time, too. Yeah, I just, um, I, I came across Satanism when I was 15, 14, 15, something like that. And anything that means a lot to me, I'm going to take very seriously and kind of sit on for a while. That I wanted to see if it was just a phase or how it worked out when I was living on my own and had my own bills to pay and I do and nothing changed. Yeah. So that, and you know, I wanted to talk to higher ups about a few things and see what their answers would be. And I got ones that I was very, very satisfied with. So well, that's everything awesome. worked out. Yeah. So I got my card on Halloween. Nice. I know. I was really like, ah, this is great. <laughs> so appropriate. That's a perfect. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's good. It's good. I'll That's do awesome. active active later in life. Yeah. So yeah, and it is it is one of those things where I I think some people they sort of just go all in and they try to do everything at once and. I don't know if they just they're, they're trying to get something out of it or maybe they just don't fully understand what it's all about and they just think well I want to be a grand poobah so I'm gonna <laughs> I, I think everyone should just take their time relax <laughs> research did you know do what you want to do live your life be successful and then if you think you have something to contribute go active otherwise there's yeah exactly um most people my age I meet, they're, they're, um, it's usually their ego is over, is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Overblown. Overinflated. Yeah, there we go. And uh, mine is, well, 
No, it is, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> who are we but, kidding? <laughs> but I look at it like, you know what, I'm just not where I want to be and I'm not as accomplished as I want to be. So I don't think I'm uh, right with my standards to kind of put it down on a piece of paper yet. So I'll wait till I have something that I think I should be very proud of. And nice. so far, so far, I'm like, all right, no, I can do better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're proud of Milton Rossison because uh, I do get comments on, on how much people enjoy it. Well, I am, especially with titles like, you know, don't be misogynist, share your wife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. I'm incredibly proud of it. <laughs> well, do you have any plans for this upcoming holiday? Do you celebrate Thanksgiving at all? Yeah, yeah, I'm having uh, dinner with my neighbors because I, because of work, work is really crazy this time of year. I can't go home for my family, and sometimes I'll go to Marilyn Mansfield's house, but I'm, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick around, have a big dinner with my family. Um, one of the guys I'm dating is gonna come over. No, two, two of them are gonna come over, and we're gonna have dinner together. They'll stay the weekend here. Nice. It's gonna be nice. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's how I do it too. Is is I try to get close friends to come over and and just sort of spend the day eating a lot of food and we tend to drink a lot of drink and have fun you know share stories and stuff oh so, yeah so, i love thanksgiving yeah and it's one of those holidays where it's it's ripe for satanists it's because because it's all about it nowadays it's all about indulgence you know i mean literally indulgent hopefully you're indulging in people you find of worth you're indulging mm -hmm. in, in, in rich foods uh that are traditional and and you can put your own modern spin on uh if you're uh, capable and and you get a you know hopefully test your 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 palate with some new drinks or some old favorites or just enjoy those you know that you've you've chosen to uh, call family i think that's i think it's an amazing uh, day personally um i don't know maybe it's in my top 10 i'd say um oh yeah it's for, always for weird me, for it's me one of my favorite oh yeah yeah no it's um you get my parents had this little tradition you know you go around the table everybody says what they're grateful for and when i was a teenager i was well still am but i was a raging ass so I would say I'm grateful that I'm so smart and that I'm good looking and that I know how to get what I want. And my mother, God, you know what? I think they regret not smacking me when I was a teenager. <laughs> I think they really regret it. So, but I still do that with my friends. I like to go around the table and say, what are you grateful for? What are, what are you happy that you did? Or who are you grateful for? So like, I'm grateful that I have the good company or that I was smart enough to play my money the right way so I can do the things that I do now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's nice to go around and kind of say what you're proud of and what you're grateful for. Because just, you know, being grateful doesn't mean you're grateful to someone else. You're just happy with it. It is also nice because if it doesn't roll off your tongue, it forces you to, to really kind of evaluate how your life is going. And if you don't have something that you can land on saying, well, this is a goal that I'm, I've met and that I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, or, you know, or these are events that I have put into motion that have transpired that I'm grateful for, then, then maybe you should think about taking a little bit, and, and it could be used as uh, maybe even a little bit of a motivation to um, take a little bit more control over one's life. Um, 
to force something that you would be grateful for. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, looking at the history of Thanksgiving, there's nothing really good about it. But what it's become is this sort of Americana celebration. And as Satanists, we can truly own it. And, uh, I mean, obviously the indulgent side of it, we've, we've discussed quickly, but, you know, you can own it as, as, um, as pure, just motivation for, uh, success in this sort of, what can be seen as a really kind of de- overall depressing time of the year. I mean, from this point on, it gets really bad until spring hits for a lot of people mentally. So, you know, you can use that as sort of a, a springboard to, to push yourself and give yourself a reason not to to sink into what some people can uh, in depression in this time of year. Yeah, it's it's like we're thinking about those things is almost like a nice little spell. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's a absolutely. little totem. So hell yeah, well that's cool. Um, my son has a birthday this time of year too, and and we just this past weekend celebrated it because it's you know like really close to Thanksgiving, depending on the year, um, closer than others, but. So here's something, and you don't have to worry about this. You're lucky. Um, <laughs> when you're dealing with kids, you know, I mean, my son is in his early teens here. Oh, and Lord. so he has friends come over. And so I do everything I can to make sure that he has a day that he's going to be very happy of in retrospect. But we ended up going um, and, and doing just spending this day at this like... Um, um, roller rink with arcades and like bouncy houses and laser tags. It's like this big fun center type thing, uh, you oh, know, air awesome. quote fun center. Uh, but it was <laughs> my plan was because I had company coming over that night was to go there for a couple hours and then come back and then make dinner and then, you know, just sort of hang out. And it ended up being such a long day. Like, like, I think we were there for uh, four hours, but it felt like it was eight hours. Like, I felt it was just horrible watching all these kids and making sure no one was running off or getting separated because it's a crazy busy place and, and making sure everyone has their money and their tokens and their skates. And it, it's a freaking nightmare. <laughs> it, and it's it sucks because, I mean, obviously we're doing this for them. We want to celebrate them on their special day and, and hopefully it will at some point make them grateful or, or happy or, you know, treat you well as a parent, even though that never fucking happens. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. still little selfish shits. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, you have to, you like, you just have to babysit other people's kids, which always sucks because you see how horrible they are. Uh, you know, and it kind of makes you happy that your kid's not that retarded, but you know, they're not far from it. So <laughs> it's not that great of a feeling. And, when we finally got back and we finally made dinner and had company come over, it was crazy late and we started drinking probably heavier than we should have. And your name came up. Oh, God. Oh, no. oh yeah. Oh, it, this is going to get good. <laughs> and it wasn't by me, I might add. Oh, was it by your wife? <laughs> no, it was by a guest. Sexy. So in the context <laughs> of... This is funny. So the guest I came, that came over, um, I've been in contact for, I don't know, maybe less than a year, I think, maybe. But he's a really cool guy. And, and him and his wife, he's got a beautiful wife. And we, uh, you know, do dinner every once in a while. And I share my home brewing with them and stuff. It's really kind of nice. Um, and he's a Satanist, but he's not a member. And so we were just talking about, I guess it was, it was around the context of... Um, traits that we admire in individuals and you came up uh to his lips because uh he admired how 
how brazenly open you were about who you are. Like, a lot, to anyone, you know, unashamedly, this is me. Because a lot of people, and, and this is sort of what the conversation turned into, was that, like, for me, for people I know, I'm very open and forthcoming about everything, and I'll tell you, and I'll speak my mind, and it'll be shocking to some people, and my parents have cut me off from a lot of family events because of that. But to strangers... <laughs> I don't, I don't do that to strangers. I, I'm very reserved and I'm quiet and I keep it. And, and you are the, <laughs> you're just like open no matter who it is. And you are just completely you at all times. It's admirable. It's very, uh, it, it's a, it's a fantastic thing that not many people can do. Uh, I think you have to be not only strong as an individual, but you have to have a strong sense of self and, um, just just not fucking care, you know? I mean, you have nothing to lose, so why not? So this this gentleman was uh, talking about how that, how that was a, a very admirable trait of you, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was funny because it allowed me to sort of expand on that, you know, expand on that idea. Uh, my wife did too <laughs> about the time we met and uh, it was it was great it was it was weird having a conversation about you at my dinner table and I didn't even <laughs> say your name. so oh, that's. That's sweet. <laughs> but at the same time, is does that make me a strong individual or does that make me kind of stupid? <laughs> I've been cut off from a few family events too. Um, nice. Yeah, it's I, I learned the hard way. My my parents were like, dude, you know, you you don't understand the concept of too much information. <laughs> so, <laughs> or no, but at work and school, I'm very conservative at work i'm very angry like i look mean and um at work they they know i'm kind of they know i'm odd and they know there's something a bit off with me and at school you know i it's pretty much the same thing they know i'm kind of off and you know i when in my psych presentations it's i i almost never talk about ADD or obesity or depression, it's gangbangs and rape and pedophilia. <laughs> so, you know, at one point my advisor's like, do you have a thing for children? I'm like, no, but a lot of my aunt, a lot of my relatives do, so hence my obsession. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they do. It's gross. Wow. And Eric, what do you want from me? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you heard, but um, I'm doing a segment based on the request of a listener. Thank you very much, listeners, for sending in any request. I truly do appreciate them. And we're going to do a little segment called Get to Know the Voices of Nine Cents. And uh, I'm going to have one episode be devoted to one contributor. Um, and uh, it'll probably start near the beginning of the new year. But uh, yeah, I want you to be a part of it. And if you're okay with it, then we'll do a call for questions. And anyone who wants to ask you a question, and you'll probably answer it like you do everything else, openly and honestly, um, you know, that'd be awesome. Would you be down with that? I am completely down with that. That sounds like a really dangerous idea. I'm all for it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, everyone listening, send your questions for anyone, including Adine here, for uh, their own Get to Know the Voices of Nine Cents, and we will have a Q&A. And you'll learn a little bit more, or maybe a whole hell of a lot of it more, 
about a dean in that segment. So any questions, info at ninecentspodcast.com or message uh, militant eroticism on their Facebook page or, um, I don't know, you can submit questions on contact forms on ninecentspodcast.com too. So uh, let us know what you want to hear. All right, so should we dive into the show? Let's dive in, boyo. Hey, before we do, really mm-hmm. quick, and as, as sort of like a, I'm not going to give you a chance to respond, <laughs> we're doing a five-way this holiday. A nine cents five. In nomine de nostris, Thomas is a very In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king. Though I'm an active member, I do not speak for the church of Satan. Hi, right, welcome to The Devil's Advocate. We're talking about the essay in The uh, Devil's Notebook here, The Church of Satan, Cosmic Joy Buzzer, and that actually starts on page 28. And Antoine wrote this as, you know, after I've, I've read it a number of times in the past, and I reread it today, and it really sort of reminds me of a, a almost like a State of the Union address of the first decade of The Church of Satan. Not literally like every you know presidential state of the union is, but it just sort of sums up um, why the Church of Satan is popular in the time that it came out, um, and how the first decade was taken and and steps that uh, they sort of went through uh, in order to become who they are, uh, they who who we are. And one thing that I wanted to, to note here throughout this, and I, and I do suggest everyone, if you don't own it, uh, go pick it up. It, it's really cheap, um, inexpensive to buy, and it's filled with really, really amazing content, uh, The Devil's Notebook by Anton Zandalove. Um But it, it, it talks about, in the very beginning of this, the death of the popularity of the occult movement, and how... The, all of the people who became disenfranchised with the occult movement because they never saw the results that they were promised in all of these sort of secretive, uh, you know, crazy wacko, uh, Alistair Crowley styled um, cults, w- what they promised, they came and, and realized that there was an organization called the Church of Satan, which still had some of that uh, aesthetic trapping to it, that, that bad guy sensibility to it. And they wanted to assimilate to that. Um, and and what you ended up having was a lot of people, and we still get that to a very lesser degree nowadays, but you ended up having a lot of people joining the Church of Satan, trying to, trying to change um, the message of the organization and the, the religion, trying to um, adjust it to their own personal taste and style. And you had some people fracturing off and, and doing their own things, stealing a lot of the um, the content as well. But the Church of Satan persisted. It, it, it continued and it struggled through. And, and the essay, um, well, there's there's a part here. Do you want to read this, Adin? Uh, Why has the COS, COS succeeded when uh, so many others had failed? Uh, yeah, I can read it. Okay. All right. He's... Um, which one? Oh, second paragraph of page 30? Yeah. All right. So just that whole paragraph. Sure. Why has Satanism succeeded? Because from our earliest literature through the Satanic Bible, we have made no grandiose promises of infallible enlightenment and emphasize that each must be his or her own redeemer, that the extent of one's superiority, if any, is governed by one human potential that Satan is a representational concept accepted by each according to his or her needs. 
that is the way it was in the beginning, and that is the way it is now. We have rejected that which becomes faddish while championing the unfashionable. When monkey see, monkey do syndrome appears, <laughs> even on the left-hand path, then we don't. We have utilized the best from the worst and discerned the worst in the best and gained through each. We have defied categorization, confounding labels, knowing that the one label we bear, Satan, is controversy in itself. And it's amazing that I, just that one paragraph sums up why the Satan, uh, the Church of Satan is, is so powerful and resonates with so many people to this day and why it's drawn so many real Satanists um, into the fold because it, there's no pretentiousness about what it is. It, it doesn't say that you're going to become a you know super Satan man. You're not going to have a demon jump inside you and you'll be able to levitate or, you know, it, it's real. It, it just says that we're human beings and we champion those things that everyone else tries to uh, refuse you to do. Uh, it, it, you, sex, um, uh, politics, uh, social structures, relationships. It doesn't matter as long as you're okay with it and it's legal, then you should do it. It's completely amazing, free. Yeah. I mean, it, it's stunning because even today, you don't see that anywhere. No. I mean, the structure of religion really is based around this idea, and I'm, I'm really dulling down something here that is really complex, is that you're not good the way you are. But if you do these things, then you could be close <laughs> like close to goodness and goodness is the you know the big person looking down on you judging you and satanism says no 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 we it, that doesn't matter it, it, there is no super person looking down on you 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 are as good or as bad as you want to be as your talents allow you to be and as you nurture those talents and it, it isn't incumbent upon the religion or the organization in order to allow you to achieve success, that's on you. And it's all on you, and you will be as successful as you want to be. It's it's really groundbreaking, and the idea, and it, it's not seen literally anywhere else. I mean, it's as, as a religion, it, this is the only place you see that. And I think that's the reason why it, it really succeeded throughout all these years, almost 50 years now. Um, one, one really wonderful thing here as uh, uh, this closing thought here uh, near the end was uh, symbolism, ritual, ceremony, totem, and taboo will always exist. And I'm paraphrasing here. Satanists select or reject them in accordance with our needs. So there's not this one universal satanic aesthetic there's not this one universal satanic understanding of, of ritual or, or magic. It's very much left to the individual. And you do what works for you. You take what you find in the world which, has, which, which resonates with you individually. Whether it does with any other Satanist doesn't mean anything. Whether it really resonates with you is what's important. And so if you're into voodoo, if you're into tarot reading, if you're into uh, using Ouija boards... There's no one to say that that's not a valid expression of of your use of ritual to get what you want in life. Um, 
it's it doesn't matter if it works for you that's what matters and satanism is like the only religion that allows you that 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 freedom of, of saying we don't care how you rule your life find what works for you and rule absolutely the more altars i see the more satanists i meet and the more homes i go to everything looks completely different um there's two satanists in the building i live and everything about our places are completely different but we both enjoy the differences mm -hmm. and um the, the the different ways we applied the principles but yeah it's completely free it's com you can morph the aesthetic in anything that suits you and the responsibility is 100 percent and completely on your own shoulders and i never understood why that's so terrifying to people it's it, they're like wait what <laughs> yeah yeah i mean people really want to be held and and led it's yeah. crazy, and I guess it's just a natural human thing, and that's why we are so dramatically different, that we're okay with not not being led. Right. It's one thing to – it's I love it. One, one of the most important things to me that I hear from a loved one is I'm proud of you. I love it. It always hits me to the core, but it's not a need. It's, it's so nice to hear that someone else is proud of something that you did out of um, your own sincere desires. Yeah. instead of someone proud of you for accomplishing something in a template. <laughs> so, like, I, um, when I redid my whole apartment on my own after my ex said I couldn't, and my friends came in for my birthday party, and they just, they're like, we are so incredibly proud of you. Not because I did something that fits into a satanic mold, but because I did something that I wanted to do, and it reflects my personality. It's, mm -hmm. um, it applies really well to this, and... I, yeah. I think it's that, that's amazing what you know we we tend to have any organization that that is so powerful that it stands the test of time like the church of satan um and the religion of satanism you're going to end up with detractors who you know just love to use those monikers of ex-members or ex-satanists you know it sort of gives them points in other groups to have once been something vile and then they come and see the light and they or, or you know they, they were once a part of this organization and they didn't get what they wanted and so they left in a fury and, and just talk shit about it and we have our <laughs> we have i think more than our fair share of those worthless types of individuals um but that's that, that's part of it is that they could never grasp that very simple idea of just standing up on your own two feet and going on your own. They, they, the detractors that you see about Satanism and about the Church of Satan organization, they were never capable of understanding the fundamental idea of Satanism. And that's that we don't all hold hands. We don't all, just because you've been a member for X years or because you think you're of such value, hold you up on a pedestal. That's not how it works. This is meritocracy. This is mutual admiration society. This is, if you do something of worth and someone likes it, they will share that with you. If you do not, continue living your life. You don't need our approval. Uh, a lot of people don't get that. What's that? No, a lot of people don't, but it's ex-Satanist I always thought was kind of funny. It's like saying I'm an ex-Marine. No, <laughs> you're either a Marine or you're not. Um, all the is, yeah. 
I've dated several Marines and they all say that like, oh, so you were a Marine. No, I am a Marine, but you're not in the armed forces anymore. And they're like, no, once a Marine, always a Marine. Uh, Marine. Um, it's the same thing with a Satanist. There's no such thing as an ex. <laughs> Either you are or you're not. Uh, but I like the only thing that I thought Satanism promised was I, I like the way Nemo put it is total self-acceptance requires no self-esteem. Yeah. Um, I always loved when Nemo said that, and he brought it up in the Greater Magic episode, which was fantastic, by the way. I love Thank it. You. Um, uh, that's if you could even call it a promise, but that's pretty much if you say Satanism makes a promise, that's the only one you could reach for is the only thing good or bad is what you judge. Um, the only thing that you need is what you need, and the only thing that you want is what you want. There is, um, it's, that's that's why the organization succeeded is there's nothing to it <laughs> except to do yeah. it so <laughs> it doesn't promise anything it doesn't even promise some um, friends <laughs> that and that's i think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings is that people when they hear that there's an organization um really defining and defending the religion of satanism then they think that if they join, then I can have all these other satanic friends and I'll be accepted and happy. We'll take you for face value, but that doesn't mean we're going to be your friend. That's that's an individual respect thing. That's something you have to earn. It, it, yeah. It's not granted because you have a red card or it's not granted because you want to have a red card it, or because you claim to be a satanist. And what you said there is very, very important to understand. And whenever we're talking about ex-members, we do tend to say, well, they, you know, they, they claim to be ex-Satanists or, or ex-Church of Satan members. And though they may have been once Church of Satan members, which would mean they're ex-members, that doesn't mean that they were Satanists. And that's an important distinction. And, and I went on on a diatribe on, on an earlier episode about this, so I'm not going to do it again. But it, it, it's not a light. You can't turn it on and off. I mean, it's, it's a fire that burns in you and, and you either accept it or you deny it, but you don't be or not be it. I mean, it is who you are. It's, it's Satanism. It's, it's a fire inside of you and you cannot extinguish it if you are a Satanist. And so when you do run across the people who say, oh, I'm an ex-Satanist. Well, no, you, you're absolutely right. It in no fucking way. They were not because what they are. Are, are, are liars. They're lying to themselves, which in my opinion is one of the worst things that you could do as a human being. Absolutely. It is the um, worst thing you can do. Yeah. I mean, closing this out, I, I thought this was amazing because this, this sentence closes out this, uh, this essay that Anton LaVey wrote, but it's something that I would never have imagined a non-Satanist ever expecting to read in, in a, a, a book filled with satanic wit and wisdom. Um, and, and it's an amazing way to end this discussion, I think. Love, laugh, fancy, create, innovate, reap, and revel as Satanist in this best of all worlds, world without end. Remember the first 99 years are always the toughest. I always thought that was a great line. <laughs> I, it's amazing like and, and it's something that, that is repeated which needs 
it bears repeating. It is right that we repeat it because we're almost 50 years here and the organization has gone through hell, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> but I mean, it has gone through a lot of like, a lot of lies uh, in the media and the world. And still, though our message has never changed, detractors persist. And it's important that we understand that it doesn't matter. The detractors don't matter. They're literally static. Ignore it and they will go away. What's important is that you live your life powerfully. You love those that you've chosen to love. You own your own success and you practice existence. And it is something that you have to continually do. There's never a point that you can hang up your hat and say, well, I'm done. That's called death. And until that time, we don't stop. Continue living and being powerful. And that's exactly what Anton LaVey is saying in that it's an amazing essay. I think everyone should check it out. And it resonates till today because Satanism has never changed. The Church of Satan has never altered. It is always going to be the same. And that is something you can never say about any other religion. That's what makes Satanists and the organization, the Church of Satan, special in this world. Very powerful. So I just wanted to bring that to you guys. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, in front of the Get out of the truck. You out there. This is WW. <laughs> I don't know where I get these. Okay, first of all, uh, like I said in the very beginning, uh, well, first, welcome to Infernal Informant. But like I said in the beginning, uh, I've been being informed of the progress of this trial. Um, thank you, Robert, for doing that. Um, he He's a longtime listener, and he's been in uh, the open satanic uh, realm, <laughs> I'll say, for a very long time, and he's a fantastic human being. So I'm, I'm very excited that he's been good enough to keep me updated on the progress of this. Uh, so, And this is actually from WWLTV.com, Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News, I like to be. And uh, the article is, Judge Man Accused of Decapitating His Son Competent to Stand Trial. And it was posted on November 22nd. Um, and I guess it's picked up from the Hauma Courier. A father accused of decapitating his son in 2011 has been ruled mentally fit to stand trial by a Lafourche Parish judge. Judge John LeBlanc made the ruling this morning after holding a third competency hearing earlier this month. Wright is accused of first-degree murder in the death of and dismemberment of his son, seven-year-old Jory Lirette, on August 14, 2011. The boy's severed head was found in the driveway of the home Wright shared with the boy's mother, Jesslyn Lirette. His other body parts were found in nearby trash bags. Before his death, Jory was confined to a wheelchair and fed through a tube. On February 19, LeBlanc concluded for the second time that Wright was incompetent to stand trial following a six-day hearing that included testimony from doctors who maintained he was competent. Wright was sentenced to mental hospital in Jackson on March 6 and is now in Lafourche Parish Jail. 
In September, doctors declared the 32-year-old competent to stand trial. His competency hearing earlier this year cost the parish more than $170,000, District Attorney Cam Morvon II said. A status hearing has been set for January 18, I'm sorry, 28, but no trial date has been set. So this guy literally had a son confined, or it wasn't his blood son, it was his uh, girlfriend's son, confined to a wheelchair, fed through a tube, and he believed, in his own words, um, that it would be more humane to cut off his head and dismember his body than to continue helping him exist. Um... I, I freaked the fuck out when I first found this article in in 11. This was the first year I did this show, I think, if it was 2011. But, um... Yeah. Horrible. Horrible stuff. I mean, this is like... And the worst part is, I mean, it's not even... It's just some guy that his mom was dating. And his mom trusted him, even though... And, and I'm going off of memory here. I, I, I believe he had you know, abused the mother as well. And she just kept it around because she's a weak, pitiful human being and the child suffered for it. And so this guy who did this, and you can't tell me that, that you're, you're mentally incompetent if you're dismembering body parts and then packing them away in garbage bags, trying to dispose (laughs) of evidence. I mean, it, it takes some thought. And if you're mentally deficient, I don't know if you would, maybe you would, but I don't know that you would. Like, I, I'm convinced that you wouldn't. Well, and, no, part, part of the standard of competency is um, planning. So if you try to cover evidence, it's kind of like with self-defense. You try to cover the evidence so you couldn't have defended yourself. It's it's a legal standard. So no, if he hid the if he hid the parts, he knew exactly what he was doing and he knew it was wrong, which means he's competent. But what is this parish thing? Is that just the name of the county? Like it costs the parish this much. He's in the parish jail. What, yeah, what it does they... sound religious, but I think it is just the county thing. Okay. All right. I was confused on that. Yeah, it, it does sound awfully <laughs> religious whenever you hear the word parish. Um, but I, I here's like the bottom line here. Um, let's say he is mentally deficient let's say he is crazy and he did it because he's crazy does that mean the kid's alive now does that mean that it's okay that we should as taxpayers i mean they've already spent just in to cover the cost of uh taking care of this douchebag one hundred seventy thousand dollars. why do we continue to do this as a society why can't we just if if they cannot operate in society without lashing out and breaking laws why don't we just kill them why don't we just get it over with it costs so much less to everyone in that society to get rid of them and you're literally doing the society a favor so why do we not do that i don't understand it that it's the one thing one part of of true liberals and true progressives that i've never fully understood the refusal of a death sentence i mean I can understand in some cases, um, but that's what our courts are there to prevent, uh, wrongful um, um, wrongful murder uh, sentences, uh, death sentences, sorry. But this guy did it. Like, it, it's proven that he's done it. And he he's already gone to hospitals. And he's, by every doctor that's seen him, been claimed as competent to stand trial. And yet still... 
they find him incompetent. So it doesn't make any sense. It's I'm hoping, I'm finally hoping that now in the early next year, we're going to end this whole conversation and have this asshole murdered by the state for what he's done. But it has taken so long and it has eaten up so many resources for that society that you have to start asking yourselves, should we spend this money and, and lock people up in institutions when if they're a danger to themselves and others, let's just solve the problem and end it. It's hey, right so rational to me. If anything, I think the only thing we should spend money on is put all the, the murder sociopaths in one place and have them, um, just have their way with people like this, you know, gang rape them, torture them. Um, oh, be sweet. Hell, I'll head the prison for free. It'd be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the corner with a notebook. <laughs> yeah, that's where I like my research to be done in the corner with a notebook. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, my, my point when people bring up, you know, well, you, you never know if they actually killed them and the better technology gets, we find out that people were put to death even though they didn't commit the crime. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to remember we have an adversarial court system. And in an adversarial court system, it's not the truth that matters. We can't know the truth unless we were there. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have reasonable doubt and a jury or a judge, excuse me. Um, in an adversarial court system, it's not the truth that matters. It is the probability of the version of events. It's which side do you think is more plausible? And then, you know, you'll find out evidence that was thrown out of court, which points that the guy actually did do it or did not do it. But that doesn't matter because the evidence was obtained illegally, which even goes further to say it's not the truth that matters. So you could not have killed an innocent person because in the law, he was guilty. So it really doesn't matter. The question is moot. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird that if if evidence Real, true, factual evidence is found in a um, in the incorrect way that it's not admissible, meaning that it's not real, it's it's not factual. It, I mean, we we have a weird system that we've accepted. I mean, in some cases, it's nice because it protects the innocent. I don't know how well. Um, but you do end up where a lot of people milk the system and get away with literally murder because of it. Well, because the system is more preoccupied, ideally, I, I'm going to emphasize that word again. Ideally, the system is not is more concerned with individual rights. Yeah. So if your rights are violated and it doesn't matter, let's say I, I killed Darren. Yeah, let's go with that example. <laughs> let's say I breaking news on nine cents <laughs> let's say well he has been missing for a week so <laughs> um, ah! <laughs> oh please that that man would kill me before i got my hands on he's asian he'd go jackie chan on my ass <laughs> um so let's say i killed darren and the cops found the weapon in my apartment but searched it illegally well it doesn't matter that i killed him you violated my rights and my rights are more important than the crime I may or may not have committed. And even if that's the case, we, there is many other ways to convict me. You don't need the weapon. 
Hell, when it comes to rape, you don't even need any evidence. It's a he said, she said more times than not. Yeah. And, you know, the women, the woman always wins. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's rough. I'm, I'm hoping this asshole gets what's coming. Um, and I hope it is coming and I hope it's the death sentence. I don't know if, if in this particular location they, they do abide that. But, oh, man, I, I, I hope they do. Public uh, well, let's, let's move on to the next one here, man. Huh? Let's move on to the next one. All right. I still say public public hanging. A quick side note: Have you ever seen an execution? Uh, live and in person? No. No. It's no. just not. It's just not good enough. It really isn't. It's, it's a letdown. It, it's such a letdown. I was completely disappointed. So <laughs> when I saw my cousin's murderer um, get the lethal injection, I was like, "That's it? Wait a minute." He dismembered him. He dismembered my cousin and he gave him a shot. Oh, oh that's fuck. just crap. <laughs> I was so it, pissed. I mean, and it is genuinely set, set up with these Victorian ideals in mind because you want your revenge, but you don't want to see the dirty side of what that revenge means. And so in modern Victorian polite society, we have to make sure that it's a humane killing. Yeah, they even swabbed the arm. What's he gonna do? Die in an infection? <laughs> like really? What kind of backwards, fuck? don't you that think? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, we don't want it to get an infection, all right? That's not humane. <laughs> That's not humane. He's a patient. <laughs> God damn it! This place is oh weird. Oh my gosh, that is fucked up. I'm done. Take me home. And in Texas, <laughs> of all places, in Texas they swabbed his arm. God damn. I can understand a mask for electrocution. I mean that you don't that can get really messy really quick. But all right. still, I, that's what you wanted as as the the survivor, right? I mean that's what you drove for the conviction. If you're going to be there, I think you should see what it really looks like. Oh, I don't know if I want to see the eyes popping out. You know, that I would be a choice of whether you you show up or not. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I just don't know if I, I, I mean, I wanted to see him die. I wanted to see him suffer most, mostly just because I'd never seen it before, <laughs> but it, it was morbid yeah, curiosity, seriously morbid curiosity, but it was just eyes popping. And I, I, pretty, I was hoping it was electrocution because I hear you get a boner, but <laughs> I'm like, well, wouldn't that be funny? Take the edge off of the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, look, he likes it. <laughs> hey, Mikey, he likes it. Oh, man. All right, I'm sorry. I had to touch on that. But yeah, let's go to the next article. <laughs> you had to touch on the electrified boner. All right. Yeah. Ooh, it's hot. <laughs> He's on fire. Look at him. That's fucked up. All right, man, let's do this next one. All right. So this one is... Another couple found guilty of murder for parenting by to train up a child. Um, posted November 15th of this year. Two parents in Washington state have been found guilty of murder after allegedly following the abusive parenting techniques advocated in the parenting book to train up a child by Michael and Debbie Pearl. Larry and Ken oh, God damn it. They rhyme. <laughs> 
Larry and Carrie Williams <laughs> received the maximum prison sentences allowed under the law after being found guilty of beating and starving their adopted daughter, Hannah, to death. The methods they used to discipline their daughter were advocated in the controversial Christian book. The New York Times reported, late one night in May this year, the adopted girl, Hannah, was found face down, naked, and emaciated uh, in the backyard. Her death was caused by hypothermia and malnutrition, officials determined. According to the sheriff's report, the parents had, been deprived, um, had deprived her of food for days at a time and made her sleep in a cold barn or a closet and showered outside with a hose. And they often whipped her, leaving marks on her legs. The mother had praised the Pearl's book and given a copy to a friend, the sheriff's report said. Hannah had been beaten the day of her death, the report said, with the 15-inch plastic tube recommended by Mr. Pearl. Some of the discipline techniques the Pearls teach include using plastic tubing to beat children since it's too light to cause damage to the muscle or the bone. <sighs> Damn. Wearing the plastic tubing around the parent's neck as a constant reminder to obey. Swatting babies as young as six months old with an instrument such as a 12-inch willowy branch, thinner plastic tubing, or a wooden spoon. Blanket training babies by hitting them with an instrument if they try to crawl off a blanket on the floor. A baby. A Ugh. fucking baby. God damn, that makes me so angry. <clears throat> yeah, it's not hard to discipline a baby. They cry over anything. <laughs> take, <laughs> take away pickaboo, though. Anyway, <laughs> beating other children with rulers. I'm sorry, beating older children with rulers, paddles, belts, and large tree branches. Training, in quotes, children with pain before they even disobey in order to teach total obedience giving cold water baths, putting children outside in cold weather, and withholding meals as discipline, hosting off children who have potty training accidents, inflicting punishment until a child is without breath to complain. And that is a quote. Michael... Fucking believable. Without breath to complain. This, this sounds like an S&M fantasy. Michael Pearl tells one mother on his website, I could break his anger in two days. He would be too scared to get angry. On the third day, he would draw into a quiet shell and obey. Despite Pearl's claim that plumbing line is too light to cause damage to muscle or bone, it did cause the death of seven-year-old Lydia Schatz in 2010. Officials ruled that she died of severe tissue damage. The Pearls and their ministry, no greater joy, <laughs> make an estimated $1.7 million a year. The couple is a... Fucking yep. believable. Sorry, so I mean, I just just to um, close out the article, and then we can just start commenting on it here. Um, they're the third set of parents to be found guilty of killing their children who followed Pearl's book and the teachings therein. So, what the fuck? Here's the thing. There's, there's, there's so many fucking, so many things running through my head here that I, I want to try to touch on if I can. Um, first and foremost, if, I mean, just hearing what this guy said, I could break his anger in two days. He would be too scared to get angry. On the third day, he would draw into a quiet shell and obey. 
At that point, you know it's not about the kid. It's about you having the bigger stick. Like, it's about you being in total control. Sounds like breaking when, a horse, doesn't it? What's that? Sounds like breaking a horse. It Exactly. And, and you, you have to be able to see your kids, if you're going to follow these tactics, not as human beings, not as individuals, not as your children. But you have to see them as something less. Something to be broken. And in, in some cases, it's even archaic to think of animals in that in that sense, but to your own kids? I mean, this is Christianity, people. I mean, this is this is literally a Christian couple that wrote this book that made a million, over a million and a half a year off of this parish uh, of teachings and this book. This is the Christian groups out in the world here. And if you think they're the only ones doing stuff like this, then you're ignorant or you're just wearing blinders. Yeah. It is so, so frustrating. Okay. So one, it's not about disciplining the kids. It's about you exerting your will. I will break them and they will be in a quiet shell and obey. They, they will not even speak up. They will whimper whenever I'm around. Is that what you want as in the future, a grown adult, did they whimper at the sight of a, a rubber tube or, or some pipe? That, that they live their life in fear of, of speaking up? Yes, that's exactly what they want. What kind of a question is that? It's like when Christian apologists like to say, oh, no, 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 you can't just say the whole religion is bad because um, of stories like this one. It's no, like you said, this, this, is, a pop, this is popular. Very it is very po- extraordinarily popular. Hey, you know, I like beating people too, but God damn it. <laughs> this is taking it a bit too far. <laughs> These are children, babies, the six month babies. Are you kidding me? It's terrible. It, it, it's unbelievable. It, it's a fundamental misunderstanding or pure ignorance or, or stupidity of thinking that a, a child under a year or up to, I'm going to even say up to uh, 18, is going to fully understand the world around them and consequences to every action. And that they, one, they shouldn't understand. They don't want them to understand. They just want them to say, yes, sir, or no, sir, or or, or, thank you, ma'am, or I'm sorry, ma'am. They don't care about an individual. They want an automaton. They want a robot. They want just a mute monster doing their christian god's will in the world total and absolute obedience and i grew up in a household that is okay with smacking kids when they get out of line i was (laughs) i was thrown downstairs uh i was uh punched by my stepfather i was um stepped to but you know what it wasn't so much that i ever bled and my behavior, and this may be apologetic or, or apology, um, sort of Stockholm syndrome here, but I, I think in those circumstances, I may or may not have deceived, deserved the degree, but I deserved a reaction. I deserved a consequence. Um, understanding that, I don't hit my kids. I, and I don't hit them. I don't not hit my kids because that I was hit. I, I don't hit them. Because I don't think that it genuinely changes behavior that I'm hoping would change 
by by me wanting to smack them in cases. So what I'm saying is, we, and if you're a Satanist and you're beating your kid or you're you're treating your children like this, you need to take a step back and and really think hard, because you cannot claim to champion individualism. You cannot claim to be an individual of perspective if you're trying to stifle individualism in your own children. You need to understand that children are not your property. You created them. Congratulations, you're an animal. You can do that. But that does not give you carte blanche control over them. What you need to do is help them become mature, healthy, and if it's at all possible, happy human beings, give them a sense of empowerment. But you cannot do that if you're smacking them, if you're beating them with pipes or with willow branches, and a baby, a baby who crawls off of a blanket, you smack them? Oh, for fuck's sake, you have to be crazy to think that that has any meaning to a baby. They don't understand what pooping is. They're going to understand you smacking them? Well, they understand pain, that's for sure. But I have to disagree with you. No, no, these people don't need to take a step back. These people need to be shot. Now, I'm, my, I was never hit. My dad hit me once, once. He smacked me across the face because I got in his face yelling at him. I was 17. He smacked me and I broke his nose. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> hey, 17 is a little bit too late to smack your kid. Mm. All right. He respected me after that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> like, you know, a light, a, a little tap on the butt, a smack on the wrist. You know, when I when I babysit children and they did something that was wrong, I gave them a light tap on the wrist. That was about it. But this is this is beyond too far. I can even understand someone thinking like my aunt washed my uh, washed her kids out mouth with uh, mouth out with soap when they swore when they were little kids. Right. Even though she has a filthy ass mouth and now her children do too. <laughs> they just swear all the time together. So, you know, didn't work. But um, corporal punishment, I can get to a, to an extent, but this is just way too fucking far. And you're right. There are far better ways to uh, punish or to teach children. Most of them, to me, it's let them suffer the consequences. You know, like my mom was like, hey, honey, you want to drive? When you're drunk, don't call me when you're in jail. I'm going to let you sit there. The same rule with my dad, and she always stuck to it. You, know, you, you, do, you do what you want and suffer the consequences. But there's the child development research is abound with, um, with how corporal punishment does not work at all. And at most, it has a little bit of an effect, and usually it's pain association. But so does touching a hot stove. You're going to let your kid do it? Well, to me, it depends on how hot the stove is. But, <laughs> but well, and, and really all you can right. do is say, don't do that. If they do it, well, they're going to burn themselves. So, you know, hopefully they learn. Hopefully. Or you'll just develop, um, or they'll develop a really interesting kink. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like most, most people who are beaten grow up to love getting hit. It's, yeah, it's really, or, or they perpetuate the cycle of abuse later on. Um, yeah, yeah. It, there's there's fantastic articles on that too. Um, but 
a lot of people who are smacked still love getting smacked. And when they get angry, they want to get a friend of mine. When he gets pissed off, he just wants to get beaten. He just wants to get beaten. And he was beat as a child. And I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Whoa. So, yeah, sometimes I'll indulge him. Wow. Is that is that weird for you? No, I think it's funny. Wow. Especially because he's straight. Yeah. <laughs> if you get really what? pissed off, I'll take my belt and I'll smack him on the ass a few times and he feels a lot better. Whoa. All right. I know. It turned on there, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. No, that's cool. Um, yeah. I, I mean, people like this that, that really want to own behavior and want to be in absolute control and they want their power, their word to, to be law no matter what. They were either taught that by their parents by similar behavior or they're just worthless human beings probably the latter yeah yeah but we it's easy for us to uh, i mean this it's sort of a culture thing because like racism if that's how you were raised and that's how you were told it should be done then why would you question it you know it, it just seems like a logical thing you were always taught as a person to do that and if you're a sheep then you're gonna do it uh, I can't accept that. I, I can't. That's the way I can't accept the that's the way you were raised argument, because that just means you didn't stop and think about it. You just swallowed it whole, which I makes it even worse. If well, that's this kind guy, of why I threw in that caveat of, you know, if you're a sheep, then that's I'm, I mean, because it does take a thinking individual to break that cycle. But then to, <laughs> it, it takes a thinking human being to not continue that behavior if they were beaten to not beat their children, you have to be able to think in order to not do that. Cause like you said, if you do think about it, then you're going to realize that it doesn't work. And so why would you do it? But if you don't think then, Hey, it was done to me. I'm going to continue doing it to other people. The problem I think is, is that most human beings don't think they just react. They just go off of habit, off of what they have experienced. Hence what they know, whether it's right or wrong. And I think the majority of religious people, um, are, prove positive of that they go to these religious organizations and they behave this way because well it's just what we've always done so why break it the chain yeah exactly it's i i like i say that religion is a reflection of your personality if you chose it but you you'll notice that different christians are attracted to different things in scripture this man loves the pearl the pearls must love these aspects of the Bible that are abusive and psychopathic and just truly uh, terrible things. While other Christians, the only things they notice are group hugs and loving everybody and monogamy and things like that. You know, yeah, it's it's a reflection of their personality. So if these people who also follow the pearls embrace it wholeheartedly, I can say they're worth a shotgun of the ass. Here, here, I, I'm 100 percent behind you. Ew. Literally, I'm behind you. I don't want to uh, be in front of that shotgun. <laughs> At all. They talk hated and the low-browed. 
with a scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, thou in sick style remoted altars, be not of love, but of lust, and to one of bellies full, ears of bellies full, expand your gentle rebellion to vindicate the truth, let thy brothel be revelation, then thy moans are divine wisdom. There's no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their king. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers, a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands-on warriors. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Aden Arden, and this is the much-awaited episode, at least for me. Don't be a misogynist, share your wife, or the fair gender is a sharing gender. What I'm discussing here is outside of a moral context, and I will not tolerate any inkling of any good or bad notion, uh, notion associated with topics like this. Science is not philosophy, and philosophy is not science. One provides raw data and evidence for another to qualify it. I know I'll see this criticism in my email box eventually, crap about gangbangs and rape, and they're just such terrible things. And I know I'll also see that I've read Sex at Dawn one too many times, and I'll admit it's one of my favorite books, and that the research I'll discuss in a minute was used for uh, pointed to or insinuated by that book. But I also promote the book that counter-argues Sex at Dawn, which is called Sex at Dusk. Both are great books. Both of them argue against each other. Check them both out. Um, but of course, like any popular science book, they're both guilty of cherry-picking. So take that into account when you read them, if you read them. So one point in this gangbang is what's called female copulatory vocalization. Well, why do women moan during sex? It isn't the sexual pleasure, according to Brewer and Hendry. Most women moan during vaginal penetration, but most women orgasm during foreplay. Research and statistical data point to that it's, it's very hard for women to come or to orgasm through vaginal penetration. Most of them come through clitoral stimulation, even though women can come in four ways, I believe. <laughs> also, our ancestors were not the top of the food chain, and human beings, like most hunters in nature, do have to worry about our food fighting back. And we're also a territorial species. So would you want a neighboring enemy tribe to know that you're very, very preoccupied? Moaning alerts your enemies and predators to you being around. So why the fuck do women moan? They're not moaning from physical pleasure and they're letting everybody know that you're preoccupied. The standard sexual narrative of man and woman, children, monogamy, and bullshit also includes the idea that men trade security for breeding rights. That men compete with each other, each other over pussy. <clears throat> 
research on jealousy just <laughs> research on jealousy doesn't support that. And side note, jealousy and envy are two very different things, especially in psych um, in psychological research. They're treated as two different things. So. Research on jealousy doesn't support that, especially since women's bodies choose semen chemically, and women have a few other biological hurdles deep in that bleeding box of theirs. It is true that men peacock. It is true that men defend their mates from other males, but males that are not in the groups of those men. I would, I would skip class in high school to go to coffee shops and whatever else, but I would also skip class and go to other high schools. And I would talk to popular guys, um, you know, top of the food chain, they can get almost any girl they wanted. I would talk to, talk to them and compare these groups in different high schools. And they all did the same thing with a few variations. They would purposely break up with their girlfriend and then one of their bros would swoop in, fuck her, and they would compete, how many times could you make her come? How many, how, how many places could you fuck her in? Um, could you get it in the ass? And what's, what things would she let you do? They wouldn't get pissed about this until someone that wasn't a bro, until someone who wasn't in that male gang, as Jack Donovan refers to them, um, the gang, they wouldn't get pissed until it was a man outside that gang or from a warring gang. Um, football teams, um, professional football teams are notorious in the tabloids for passing a girl around. But God damn it, if that girl is touched by another team, they'll get pissed. Also in street gangs, the first lady is a woman that the gang shares. But if another gang even touches that pussy, that's where they get pissed. So if you're not best friends with the alpha male, no pussy for you. Uh, another point in this monogamy uh, narrative is sperm competition, which is what I'm really talking about. Men compete for breeding rights. It's called sperm comp uh, competition. It's really the heart of discrediting the many men fighting for one woman idea. Research into the evolution of our genitals. <laughs> God, I love that phrase. Indicates, <laughs> <laughs> indicates the vagina evolving to make semen to make it more difficult for semen to get into. The chemicals inside there also choose, in air quotes, semen, which semen it's gonna let go by. It's, it's like a raffle in there. You know, it's the chemicals are, there are anti-sperm chemicals in the pussy. Th this only exists in species that are not monogamous. If the mating game is about men's stuff for from women's open legs and the toughest man wins through force, the body would not have evolved in such an exacting way as to filter what semen will get in. True, people can make the wrong decisions and God knows we're notorious for it, but evolution responds to environment and habits and culture. This is not just genetics. It is nature and nurture. It's also interesting to note that we are one of the few species that have female orgasms. And the ones that have female orgasms are not monogamous. In fact, the species that have female orgasms, it drives a female to search for another go-round, which most men cannot provide. In the sex magic episode, I talked about the, I'm sorry, 
not the sex magic episode, in the last episode on masturbation, I talked about the refractory period. Most men, they come, they're done, man. Get, get them a sandwich. But women, those, those, so jealous of it. They come once, they just want to keep going. And they want to keep going. Most women, one is just, it's like going to a buffet. They want to keep going till the end of the line, until they can't do it anymore. If men and women evolve sexually together, why did one evolve to stop and the other to keep going? Another interesting note, it relies on the groom's party. The groom's party exists in variations in almost every culture throughout all of human history. The best man in um, your, uh, what's a good way to put it, in European societies, if you look way back, um, actually in Africa too, in tribal societies, the best man his job was to, the groom dies, he gets first dibs. But if you look further back than that, it was a groom's party, took turns on the bride. Look at pornography. Look at ancient texts on sex. Look at the research on female rape fantasies, gangbangs, and tag teams. This shit is everywhere. It's not deviant. It's, it's almost like an obsession that no one wants to talk about. And it, most people I talk to will say, oh, it's because it's forbidden. Yeah, sure, I'm, that's probably part of it. But if it's this prevalent and throughout all human history, I don't think it's all that forbidden. It's just some another thing no one wants to talk about. Um, anal sex is forbid, uh, forbidden, and it's not natural, and it hurts you, and it's not healthy, but it's great. <laughs> so when so when people say it's just you know it's a it's just a forbidden thing no you're wrong read sexual history it's it, it's it's in us we we like our gangbangs we're a group animal that for the majority of our history and even in modern cultures children are not raised by the parents but by the family First-time mothers and fathers almost never raise their first child on their own. They don't. It's usually the girlfriends who've had children before and the mothers and the aunts. Um, it's the family. They raise them together. In modern, culture, um, in modern culture, it's the other mother that's more specific to, uh, to black, uh, black American history, but it exists everywhere. We date around not to look for the perfect mother or father, but for a partner in crime. Uh, I almost never hear, I'm looking for someone to be a good mother, who will be a good mother. It's a component, but it's almost never the first thing out of their mouth. It's usually one of the last. It's, you're usually looking for someone to spend your life with, not someone that is going to be a fantastic parent, even though that's, it's in there. Most men admit to the appeal in sharing a woman and get turned on when they get to outdo each other in the bedroom. There's um, a lot of research out, out there on uh, cockholding, or is it cuckolding? I prefer say I prefer to say cockholding. It's it sounds more um, interesting that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's why if if breeding, if the natural predisposition for one man. Uh, and many women or one man uh, competing with other men for that woman. Yeah, uh, part of 
cuckolding is humiliation. But the, these tag teams and gangbangs, a lot of men love that idea, and a lot of women do too. The statistics don't lie. And even when, when you do um, interviews after these surveys, after the survey research, sometimes they'll do interviews, most men are like, I want to outdo my bros. That's a really popular idea. It's Men compete with each other. I'm not denying there isn't sperm competition, but it isn't for breeding rights, which is kind of funny since the whole deadbeat dad thing has a very, very long history, very long. Um, it, it's not a new thing. It's not special to the ghettos. It's not special to the poor. This is a very old idea. And it's even in the standard scientific narrative is a woman wanting to make sure that the men's going to leave. Well, the man's working so hard for breeding rights. Why the fuck would he take off? It's the men are competing with each other, but men compete with each other in the gang all the time. Who has the most skills? Who's the toughest? Who's the most courageous? Who has, who's the most manly? A part of that is how good they're fucking. Sperm competition happens inside the body. How come has evolved to compete with other men's semen? Remember, semen can live up to five days inside of a woman. And semen does compete with other semen. They're built to do this. If we're monogamous and men are fighting for breeding rights, this doesn't make much sense. Especially since most women who cheated were stoned to death. It's This still doesn't make sense. Like the fact that we're all built to think, yet we all don't. And we're all built to have sex, but 2% of the population is asexual meaning without sexual desire, physiologically or mentally. It, the, this thought, lust, does not occur to them. Taking, uh, taking into consideration these last two things, I have this to say regarding monogamy. Or anyone who denies gang, uh, uh, that we're built for group sex. Monogamy is a choice that reflects your values. But in the end, we are all built to gang fuck the living crap out of each other. The research I've used for this article is on Militant Eroticism's Facebook, and I have more to post, so check it out. And always remember, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who or how many bend over, we're all degraded. <laughs> Nicely done, my man. <laughs> I wasn't um, everything that you hoped it would be being a monogamous married man. <laughs> I got a, I got a couple things I want to touch on. Uh, all right. Literally Bring two. it. So the, <laughs> the idea that um, there's no doubting that the sole purpose of sperm is to fight its way to the egg. Um, that, that's why it, it exists. It wants to continue its existence in burying its head in an egg. I, I get that. I don't... I cannot in my head reconcile the idea that a vagina has the ability to filter sperm. I think it's totally incumbent upon the sperm's ability to find the egg, not... Because, and my the argument, the popular argument that would be to that idea is rape victims. Mm -hmm. They don't... Obviously, you don't have a, a conscious control over your body. But to say that your vagina has the ability to filter out unwanted sperm and then you get impregnated by a, a rape 
Well, that means that your body wanted to be impregnated by that host, whether you did or not. And, and then you start to separate your, your physiology from your mind. And though that is a, a quite a rational thing to do, in a lot of cases, the idea that a vagina has the ability to filter sperm, I, I just, I, I cannot accept. Like, I've never heard of that before. Oh, now this, this is where, now what you said pisses me off, but those the people who claim that a, a, a true rape victim could not get pregnant, they're misinterpreting, blatantly denying half of these articles that they're reading. The vagina is it's genetic selecting. There is numerous couples that have that will try to get pregnant and then sometimes they divorce because they can't have babies and that causes a big rift between them. And then the woman has no problem getting pregnant by another man. Um, it's genetic selection. Now unfortunately uh, this is going to be an upcoming episode of why rape is an evolutionary advantage, and there's probably people who are born to rape. Whoa! Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Not not like more like a sociopath. You know, people are born sociopaths. Doesn't mean they're going to kill people. Um, people. Some people I think are born with a higher predisposition to rape. Doesn't mean they're going to rape people. Um, that's been proposed on Capitol Hill a few times. If there, um, if you're found to be born as a sociopath, to lock you up before you hurt anybody, it's that's unfair. But uh, anyway, back to this: it, they're misinterpreting the research and lying about it. There are there are acidic chemicals in the vagina that destroy semen. It's it's I I'm not quite sure why, but it's also genetic selection. Semen that is a better genetic match with the egg is going to be far more likely to succeed. It's not a conscious decision like, oh, I don't want it in me. Right. Therefore, I'm going to kill all of it. It's That's not the way I'm trying to communicate it. It's, it's whatever the better genetic selection is. So if a rapist is, has a good genetic match with your egg, whoops. <laughs> that's, See, that's what I'm saying. But I think that, like, that idea itself, I, I think it overthinks the, the pure basic principle. Um, and obviously, I've not studied this, and so this is just my own personal you know, life experience and understanding, is that it's not incumbent upon the woman. Her egg is there, period. It, it, it will be there if it's there to be there. You know what I mean? If she can get pregnant... It's there. It's incumbent upon the guy in that case in order for his sperm to be healthy enough in order to reach that egg. Now, I mean, I, as I understand it, that's why the vagina is, is, is made so... Um, um, the way it is. And so only, <laughs> only... Yeah, so, so, so challenging to actually get into the cervix and, and, and pregnant. So that you only the strong sperm will get to the egg. It's not that the, the vagina is filtering sperm, it's that only the strong, healthy sperm get into the egg. So it's sperm vying for position, you know what I mean? Kinda. You're kinda right, but it's kinda wrong. It's The cervix makes it very difficult for semen to get in there. 
um, it's incumbent upon the egg to get impregnated by the right semen. But my point is when men, when, when they say men are competing for breeding rights, this happens inside the woman. The semen is competing for breeding rights, not the men. The men want to, the men are just getting in there. This is not going on consciously. And the egg, it, you're, you're saying that the egg is there, it's going to get impregnated. No, that's not the way it works. It's not just waiting to get impregnated. It's fighting against getting impregnated by weak semen. And it's not always the strongest will survive. Um, it's also who's the better match. The, it will, these chemicals will reject semen. It will actively try to destroy whatever it doesn't think is a good match. And yeah, if you're right that the strongest man is going to impregnate. Not the strongest man, but the strongest semen strongest semen i would say that would probably be a lie that would probably lie more in a good rapist <laughs> <laughs> well okay i mean to be fair i'm just trying the to be sexual just, proclivities of the individual just, has no control over the health of the semen i mean you have very much well, machismo men who have abysmal sperm count and just have weak semen but you also have like very you know what i mean i mean the health of this the sperm means little to nothing about the in, in a lot of cases the uh amount of testosterone in the man or the strength the the socially acceptable strength of the individual you know i mean it it's very much just a physiological thing it's not uh, a social perception thing so to say that rapists have better sperm than non-rapists, I think, is absurd to say. It is absurd. I'm just trying to be. I'm just trying to be an ass. But um, it I is think there was a, uh, I think there was a study where testosterone was connected with rape. Rapists. Um, yeah, this it's gonna it's gonna get controversial around here for a bit. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Uh, I, I welcome that. There's another thing that, I mean, we're, we're, we're running a little bit long here, so I want to touch on this other thing that I, I found here um, that I thought was amazing that you brought up that I've never heard anyone else mention ever. And that's when you're looking for a partner, you're not looking for a good mother. You're not looking for a good producer of children. <laughs> You're literally looking for someone that's compatible with you that you want to have sex with. Which, if you think of it from an evolutionary standpoint, we should be looking for a good mother because they're going to perpetuate the species. But we don't do that. We, we just want to have something that whatever fashionable thing is of the era, that they're a part of that. So we find them attractive and we want to get our dick wet in them <laughs> like it, it's crazy that we don't think of a, a mate as in whether or not they're going to be a good mother <laughs> like it's it seems well, like we should we sh yeah it seems like we should but to be fair i should have specified we don't do it consciously there is um ev I, god bless evolutionary psychology for this it's when men, there, there are certain standard, uh, standards of beauty that have run throughout every culture and have, um, have a long history attached to them. Women who have wider hips, who have certain features, right. it's connected to better breeding. And men are more stimulated. There's also been experiments. Darren posted on my, 
on my personal Facebook, The Science of Lust, and they did this other really cheesy experiment, but it's based on very real, real um, very good experiments where men are attracted to women who are nicer, who seem more nurturing generally, at least to them. Because I, and the idea is, well, because they're nicer, more nurturing, at least to this man, um, they're probably going to make better mothers. And this is an unconscious thing. So it's unfair for me to be so broad sweeping and saying we don't look for that. We do, just not consciously. Which it's, I can, I, I still am going to say it, if, if we are monogamous only and gangbangs are a fetish stri uh, based strictly on forbidden, then it should still be the case that we would consciously look for that. And we don't. We do it more as a mouthpiece. It's like when you ask a random person on the street, what's your religion? I'm a Christian. They're not really a Christian. That's just the thing you're saying. Um, or most men you know, in public are very macho and very tough, very stoic. Um, and that's taught as a virtue. And I think it's a very good virtue. But in private, you talk to most men about why they love their woman so much. And it usually boils down to because it's it's a shoulder. You know, it's someone that they can let go in front of because she's nurturing and she understands. That's actually a really good fucking point. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> fucker. Uh, I do not, uh, I, I, I do not dispute the idea that um, as, as men, as, as human being men, um, it is our nature to conquer and compare uh it is very much and and so this idea that um um looking for a mate even at a genetic level someone that you want to carry on your seed you know you the idea of the gang bang um or, or sharing your wife in that it's almost this carnal thing that we just want to to compare and it's like king of the hill we we want to fight our way to the top but we want to be on top we don't want to you know what i mean i mean <clears throat> we, genetically i think it's completely normal for us to say well we understand that 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 women are going to be with multiple partners in most cases tribally we have ownership over them um societal modern victorian society we absolutely don't okay i understand that women listening i'm just saying throughout our history men have owned women and in that tribe we have owned them and we have always wanted to dominate them and so it makes sense that we would want to um maybe even sharing that dominance with with our brothers you know to just to to prove that we're the number one if for no other reason it's but when you're looking for someone that you want to continue your seed and i guess this comes down to a question of whether or not you want to be involved and whether that's an evolutionary thing or just a modern um a modern crush that we want to do does that not lead to monogamy? 
Yeah, there's there's articles coming out that monogamy developed for the beta males, you know, the men who could not get the women. <laughs> and I thought that was fantastic. Um, I'm going to have an episode on the science of monogamy. Okay, nice. It, it, it is very interesting. And, and I'm, you know, like I said before, we, we are... Eventually. Um, but there was one thing that I forgot to mention. Um, oh, okay. And that I think is really important. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the narrative contradicts itself. It says that women... consciously decide who they want to have sex with so they have a suitable mate to help raise their children and are attracted to men consciously because they're going to provide them with better seed. On the other hand, they admit that sperm competition happens inside the body as well, but the more semen you have in you, chemically, the happier a woman is going to be. There is such a thing as sperm depression. Um, also interesting to note, gay men have that too. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. That's probably why I'm sad a lot. Anyway, <laughs> damn condoms. Nice. <laughs> um, but the more semen you have in you, the more selection you have. So it's contradiction. It contradicts itself. You're telling me that women choose mates based on uh, genetic viability and the likelihood of being a good father. And then you're telling me that women, uh, and then the science is telling me that first time mothers never raise their kid on their own, so they always have help. That and human beings have always existed in very sh very small tribes. So the, uh, the tribe is gonna help you because it needs more people. And then you're gonna tell me that men are competing for rights when they are turned on by other people having sex, which is where porn comes from. And then you're telling me that women get depressed without a lot of semen, but they only want one, but the sperm competes with it. None of it makes any goddamn sense. Monogamy is a social thing. It, it develops socially. Same thing with a lot of ethics and religions. It, it It's a choice. But God damn it, you're built to be DP'd. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point in all this. Double penetration is good for you. <laughs> Let's distill it down to this. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, amazing episode again. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Well, to the audience, that's that's going to do it for another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know Adine would like to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think. Visit the Milton Eroticism website uh, on Facebook, and you can send Adine all your personal correspondence. We know you've been doing it. Thank you for that. And you can send it to me, uh, and I will forward it on if you say something nice about him or about the, the segment. And, and you have, and thank you for that. And actually, I got one note that I, I didn't forward to you, and I apologize for that. But they just said they really enjoyed your episode, your, your segment. <clears throat> so you are doing a fantastic job, Adine. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and being a part of Nine Cents and sharing uh, your, your studies and your opinions and your personalities. It means a lot to me, uh, and I know the, the audience loves it too. I love it just as much as you all do. <laughs> nice. Well, again, let us know what you think, audience. So visit the face net, 
uh, Facenet. The Satanet Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, and MySpace page for nine cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at nine centspodcast.com. We're also on Last FM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents and don't forget to leave a rating and a comment. Now I've got I got this weird number of, of ratings and comments on iTunes. So if you have iTunes, if you use it, get on over there. Give me a rating. You don't have to leave a comment, just give me a rating and I'd appreciate it. And if you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. Genuinely, there's some amazing information on that website. You should check it out. And the only way that this podcast is going to continue is if you tell a friend. You guys are doing famous on this. I I get literally new people every day. Uh, Ironically, I also get people leaving (laughs) every day. I guess, you know, I'm a one-hit wonder on this note with uh, the audience. Share nine cents with your friends, your enemies, hell, your grandmother. Let's build this podcast together, people. And once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Uh, Dean Arden. Until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan.